Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we have Chuck Nabush with us from Texas. So a very big welcome to you, Chuck. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. We're really looking forward to having you as our guest because you are going to share with us stacks of practical tips, I think, from the conversation we've just been having with a a focus around planning and operations and leadership. And I'm sure you can share a little bit of background, Chuck, but just to give a very brief overview to our audience, you have a, a background in working in a global business You've got over seven years working in the U.S. military, and in 2019, you set up your consulting business, and you've written a book called How to, uh, no, Hope is Not a Business Strategy, How to Take Control of Your Business So It Doesn't Take Control of You. And I'm sure we can all... uh, say that we've been in a situation where our business may have got the better of us. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about this as we uh, chat with you. So we're going to kick off. And Callum, would you like to, to start the start the process? Yeah, sure. Nice. Uh, great to have you on the podcast, Jack. Um, perhaps I'll hand over to you first if you'd like to um, elaborate on the introduction or if there's anything you'd like to, to kick off with before we uh, get into the uh, discussion. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of businesses out there, um, whether they're small businesses or you're a, a, a head of a department for a, a large multinational corporation where frequently the business does kind of take control of us and we need to go ahead and take control of it. And that's really why I wrote my book. It's not just for one type of leader or another. I wanted to kind of write a very general book that gives kind of very practical, very pragmatic leadership tips on how to go ahead and take control, how to plan ahead. Got it. Thanks, Jack. Well, I think let's let's dive into that straight away because I think that's quite a, you know an interesting sort of headline. You know, hope is hope is not a business strategy, and you kind of alluded to it there. How it's you know, sort of born out of some previous experiences. Wondered if you could maybe just kick things off and sort of tell us a bit more about that. Maybe some examples of where that's kind of you know been the the sort of case in the past and sort of what that situation looked like. And I guess you know kind of some bit about your your experiences there. Well, I mean, going back to my days in the military, you know, we were a, a small unit. We would go ahead and deploy with maybe six people out to a, a signal site. Um, we didn't necessarily have support around us, so we would ask things like. Where are we going to get our food? Where are we going to get our fuel? And our section sergeant would always, well, don't worry, it'll happen. Don't worry, it'll happen. Doesn't give you the warm, fuzzy feeling about, hey, am I going to be fed today? Are we going to be able to keep our generators running? And that kind of thing. So that was kind of an early start in somebody not taking control of, hey, how are you going to go ahead and manage? Now, you can say whether the military is a business or not. 
we had a similar situation um, when I worked uh, for corporate America where we didn't always have contingency plans. Well, we probably should have, but we didn't. And we had a tornado hit um, a wood uh, processing plant that I was the production manager of. Well, immediately after we informed everybody that we'd been hit by a tornado, I was getting calls from the 200 or so employees. Hey, do I have a job on Monday? This was on a Saturday. I said, yes, you will. We don't, I don't want you to come to work on Monday. Give me a day or two and we'll come up with a plan to go ahead and put everybody back to work and to go ahead and feed the rest of the, the division. So having a plan in place ahead of time is so much better than having to go ahead and wing it. We were successful in both endeavors, but realistically plan ahead. I mean, take some time when you can and think it through, work it through the different functional areas, talk to the different experts as to how you would go ahead and approach things. Even if the business situation isn't exactly that in the future, you will have already still gotten 75, 80% of the answers long before you have to go ahead and apply them. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And I think you mentioned a phrase that which is quite funny, which is probably often used quite a lot of the time. It's just kind of winging it, right? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. I would be really interested to dive into a bit more about your experience of leadership in the military, um, Chuck, because I think, you know, I'm, from, I'm sure from a range of people, you hear about various different types of leadership in the military. So it'd be really interesting to kind of hear, I guess, as your sort of um, experience from from what, what that was like and sort of how that shaped your perception when you went into the sort of more corporate environment? Well, I mean, I think all of us before we go in the military and I mean, we think it's very, very autocratic and there is an autocratic aspect to it. But I think the military is, is going through a change. And I think when we're not, you know, in the middle of an exercise or we're not fighting a war, we're having to answer the same questions that the civilian communities asked asking and answer, getting answered today. And that's from the people that we lead saying, why are we doing this? You know, not just, hey, yes, I'll take that hill. I'll do this. I'll do that. But why? Because I think a lot more of the, the younger generation wants to understand what's going on and how to apply it. And I think it's a, a great thing to answer that as long as you have the time. I mean, there are times where, where safety dictates or you're in the middle of something. You can't go ahead and sit down and go through the why. But I think it's really important that when the time is available to go ahead and use that as a teachable moment. And you know, I was just starting to see that during my time in the military, that the people who were coming up were asking why, why, why. And you know, I, on the one hand, I kind of had not seen that when I was coming up, I wasn't allowed to ask, but I thought it was important to go ahead and understand and have them understand that. Why do we go ahead and set up where we do? Why are we going out to this point to, to create the cellular cover, coverage for the units that we support? Why are, are we approaching it this way? And again, it's not that it's always the right way, but this is what we've learned. You know, Here's something that we want to pass the learning on. And to me, leadership is all about people and passing on the learning and developing that next generation. What, what do you think, Chuck, if companies don't encourage that asking of why and you know you've seen that shift in leadership um, in the army and I think there's also a big shift in in businesses in terms of leadership so if companies aren't embracing and allowing people to ask why what do you think is going to be the downside of that 
Well, I mean, you can't always do ex the exact same thing in the exact same way forever. Business conditions change. I mean, just look what we just came through with COVID. I mean, things had to change. And the companies that did the best were the ones who were flexible, who could go ahead and take another approach and who could apply it very quickly. So we can't go ahead and keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I think also, you know, the, those that we lead are standing up a lot more and they're not putting up with poor leadership. They're finding another place to go. People don't leave companies because, um, I mean, they leave for a lot of reasons, but a lot of them is that one-to-one -one interaction between them and their supervisor, between them and their manager. And if you're not led well, you don't want to stay. And if there's an opportunity to go someplace else, you're gone. Yeah, we have seen that great resignation. And Absolutely. I think it's still continuing. I don't know if it's an upward trajectory moment or not. But in terms of practical tips, so we've got business owners who are listening to this podcast who are being pulled in all sorts of directions. They're trying to get back on track post-COVID. They've got the great resignation. They are competing in a tough economy. So let's focus in on some of your thoughts about how do they stay focused and make progress? Because leadership is, is all about people. You have all sorts of people vying for your time, pulling at you in different directions. So you have to start by creating some kind of standards, some expectations, some processes that you can go ahead and use and you can apply and you have to communicate those out. One great thing is meetings. We all have way too many meetings. Well, does the meeting have an objective? Are we meeting just to meet? Are we meeting to set up another meeting? Are we meeting to make a decision? If we're meeting to make a decision and that decision impacts you, yes, attend. If it, if it impacts you as you're the decision maker, absolutely attend. But if it's kind of an informational meeting, can that be sent in an email? Can that go? Can that information be communicated in a different way? Do we really have to tie up 10, 20, 30 people's time to sit down to just go ahead and listen to whatever bulletin that somebody wants to go ahead and read? So in this area of making a difference to businesses and getting them focused, what have been some of the big changes that you've enabled them to achieve? I, I, I mean, another one is with, with email. I mean, who doesn't get way too many email? I used to only go ahead and answer my emails three times a day. Everybody knew that because email is an asynchronous communication method. But how many of us have gotten an email and immediately had the phone ring and the sender say, did you get my email? Well, I'm sure I did. I haven't looked through the hundreds of emails that I have to go ahead and read it yet. Well, you need to stop and read it right now while you're on the phone with me. So, you know, again, communicating that out to people saying, give me a great subject line. If it's something that's urgent, let's put urgent in the subject line. If it's something that needs a response, let's put response required by give me a date and time. So that way I know it's going to go to the top of my list for emails to read rather than the bottom. If it's just an FYI thing, I may go ahead and read that after I get home at night and I have some free time. And I just want to go ahead and catch up on, on items that I might have missed. You know, it's very much to me like the, the plumber here in the U.S. I mean, a plumber could go ahead and take a call because somebody's bathroom is going to break at two o'clock in the morning. 
But does but do you pick up the phone and call the plumber? No. He's created a process where you call a telephone line that does get answered. They determine whether it's truly an emergency and it's time to wake up the plumber or not. Because that plumber doesn't want the business to control him. That plumber wants to control his business. And I think that's a great example that a lot of us can relate to as to how to take control of our business. I'd be really interested. Thanks for sharing those examples there, Chuck. And I'd be quite interested to dive into a bit more of your um, experience from both the military and, as you said, sort of corporate America. What sort of similarities did you see between leadership, you know, as your as your sort of stint in the military, as to what you saw kind of working in a more of a, a, a sort of traditional business, I guess? I mean, I, I think the leadership translates well. I mean, I've seen a lot of successful people get out of the military and do very, very well in in um, the corporate world. Because I think leadership fundamentals, dealing with people, um, setting expectations, holding people accountable to what those expectations are. Very, very transferable skills, whether it's in the military or it's, it's in, in the corporate world. So I think leadership kind of transcends the application of where it is. Now, in the one hand, leadership is a little bit easier in the military because you have a rank structure. You have a, and it, it's very, very codified. It's very formal. Um, and you're taught from a, a very early age getting into the military, how you'll go ahead and follow that. And you have to give the respect. And they're, they have very clear punishments and stuff like that, where the business world doesn't necessarily have that. But ultimately, you know, if you don't go ahead and kind of follow the basic patterns, they'll find a way to go ahead and, and let you know that you're not doing it correctly. But I think, you know, the, the leadership of how you talk with people, how you how you go ahead and mentor them, how you go ahead and lead them, how you tell them, we're going to take this hill. And now I want the experts to break it down into how are we going to use artillery? How are we going to use infantry? It's very similar to to the business world where, hey, we want to go ahead and be number one. Okay, our marketing department, how are you going to go ahead and market us? Advertising, how are you going to go ahead and approach it from an advertising? Our product department, how are you going to go ahead and make sure that our quality is better than anybody else or our price point is better than anybody else so we can go ahead and take that hill of being number one? Yeah, kind of a bit of a, almost like a divide and, and conquer approach, I, I, I suppose. Now, I, the question I'm going to ask you next is, is quite a broad question, Chuck, but I'm sort of quite interested to see, I guess, in which direction you want to take this. So you, you mentioned, you know, there's a headline of kind of hope is not a strategy. What do you think is the best approach to take to, uh, I guess, sort of like leadership more broadly as a strategy, I suppose? I think planning. I, I think we need to get, we need to step out of the business that we're in because so many leaders are working in the business. They don't get a chance to work on the business. And the most successful ones really get to step out a little bit, whether that's taking a little time away, but thinking about the business and creating a plan. Because when you're when you have a chance to go ahead and plan, you're 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 adding thoughtful decisions as to well, can I go right or can I go left? Can I go ahead and do option A, B, or C? Well, these are the pros and these are the cons, and I can go ahead and look at that and say what approach is best for the business conditions that we're in today. So I think planning is an important part of, of business and hope means I've done no planning. I am taking business conditions and either 
they're going to go ahead and beat me up or I'm going to have to go ahead and work my way through it and it's going to be a slog. But if you have a plan, you've got a, a, a lot better opportunity to be successful because you understand, you've thought through the conditions, you kind of know which way you'll go. And even if your plan was, was made and the conditions don't match the plan, as they, they never will, but you've still thought through 80%, 75%. You've thought through a lot of those options and alternatives ahead of time. And okay, business conditions are a little bit different than that, but now you can go ahead and, and make that slight adjustment and still go ahead and make it through. Sorry, I know you probably got a question, but I do have a follow-up question to that, Chuck. When, so you alluded to it just now, you know, you can plan and kind of have a strategy of, of how you want to, to go and do things. And uh, it just reminded me of the quote, I think it was from like Mike Tyson that said something like, you know, everybody has a plan to get smacked in the face. How do you think companies respond when they have a plan for, you know, a big sort of like strategic initiative and then, you know, some sort of market factors change, maybe a bit like, you know, the condition they're in today. How do you think companies can kind of best uh, adapt to a situation when they've got a plan, but given the external circumstances, they know how to have to adapt and, and do things slightly differently? Well, again, with a plan, a plan is not a way to micromanage. I mean, Mike Tyson would not go ahead and say, I'm going to throw a right, and then I'm going to throw a left, I'm going to throw another left, and then I'm going to throw an uppercut. He doesn't plan to that level. But he did go ahead and plan how he wanted each, um, each round to go ahead and go. He wanted to kind of wear out an opponent maybe in the first couple of rounds. He wanted to go ahead and do that by delivering body blows rather than, than something else. I think it's the same way in business. We don't, we don't want to micromanage those that we lead, but we want to go ahead and set expectations. We want to achieve certain, certain um, outcomes, certain goals, certain objectives. And okay, now we've gone a period of time and we're a little bit off from that, that objective. Okay, how do we make an adjustment? We can see that we're not going to go ahead and do it by doing exactly what we've done in the past period. So how do we make a slight adjustment and we can still go ahead and achieve that goal? Or is that goal even relevant anymore? It may be that things have changed, conditions have changed so much that that goal is not relevant. We do need to periodically throw that out. But we're not going ahead and saying minute by minute exactly what we're doing. We're creating steps to go ahead and say, okay, if we achieve this step, it makes it much easier. We've created a foundation to achieve the next step and then the next step and then the next step. So that's what we want to go ahead and plan for. We don't want to plan every little aspect of how, but we want to certainly plan what. I really like the um, ideas that you've been sharing with us, Chuck. I like the ideas when you just talked earlier on about emails and just putting in the header, you know, it's just for your information or respond by X. I mean, how simple is that? That's a great idea. What other practical tips would you share for with a business owner that's, you know, we've talked earlier, being pulled in all sorts of directions? We, you've mentioned planning is critical. So what other tips would you would you share with them or recommend that they might want to introduce? I mean, a, a great thing is setting expectations. Now, I mean, you can do this with your customers. We had uh, my wife and I put in a pool here in, in Texas and in doing that, we asked the contractor, okay, how, what can we expect? How long is this going to take? It'll take six weeks. Okay. From the time we turn dirt. Okay. When do we expect to turn dirt? Well, COVID started. It may take us a couple of months. So again, we were asking him to set expectations as a customer, but 
as that business owner, he could have done it himself. And, and I think that was important. Where we had a failure in those expectations is that instead of it taking six weeks, and he did say, hey, anytime it rains, we're going to add about three days, is it ended up taking 21 months. He didn't manage the expectations. I'm sure he lost subcontractors and he had difficulties. So, you know, you may have to manage those expectations because you don't just throw them out there once and expect them to last forever. Things change. Business conditions change. We can do that not just with our customers as business owners, but we do it with the our employees, the, the people that we lead, whether it's our department, um, our employees, et cetera. We can also do that with our suppliers, with our vendors, you know, set expectations. What is it we want to achieve? Then let's talk about how we can go ahead and achieve that because some expectations may be unrealistic or they may go ahead and change the price point a little bit. We can do anything with enough time and resources, but are we willing to go ahead and apply that time and the, those resources in order to achieve exactly what we think we want? So I think, you know, really setting expectations and managing expe expectations on an ongoing process in an ongoing way is vital vitally important to any business leader out there. Well, that's a, an interesting one, Chuck, because your your swimming pool took <laughs> a huge amount longer than you anticipated. The supplier didn't really manage your expectations well. So, how did you react to that? Did you come out of that being a happy customer or? What else could they have done to have uh, improved that situation for you? And what lessons did you learn from it? Again, some simple communication would have been nice. I mean, let us know. Oh, I just lost all my whatever subcontractors, our, our coping subcontractors, or our tile subcontractors. And, you know, because I want to go ahead and provide a quality product to you, it's going to take me a little time to go ahead and find a replacement because again i'm not going to just go ahead and get the next five guys who walk in here to slap tile on your pool it's not going to go ahead and look good so i i think it's important to go ahead and manage now some business leaders will say well i don't want to go ahead and share the pain that i'm going through but that's where we make connections yeah. that's how i can go ahead and relate to them and say okay you know you're not really much different than me i'm having difficulty in my life you're having difficulty in your life, all of a sudden, not that I'm going to write off and say, hey, you can go 21 months, but I'm going to go ahead and be a lot more patient as a customer because that business leader has opened up and has shared. Now, I'm going to say, I understand it's not necessarily my problem, but because I'm going to see the result of it, yes, I mean, have that conversation. And I mean, and that applies to, to so many things that we go ahead and do. A phenomenal example We've had a, a, an HVAC person come in to go ahead and work on our, our heating and air conditioning. They got to the front door, they knocked, I opened the door, they're there. The first thing they do is they put on little booties over their shoes. So they're walking through my wife's house and they're keeping it clean. And immediately my wife stopped, said, he put on booties. I saw the same thing. And we thanked that contractor before they had absolutely done anything in our house. And so what did that do? That made us think that whatever he was going to go ahead and do, whatever he was going to charge us, but because he, he did such a little thing, it was, he, he, his service was, uh, was absolutely phenomenal. We would go ahead and recommend him 
and, and sing his praises, you know, from the highest towers. So I, I think sometimes it's just that communication. It's that awareness of what our customers are looking for, not just the end product, but the things that surround it. I've talked with uh, building contractors also and said, look, if you can give a little extra, he said, well, but our costs are, are set on, you know, just delivering whatever. He said, but by delivering something extra, I'm not saying throw in another $1,000 or $10,000 or whatever. I'm saying, give me the paint colors and swatches for every room that you painted, even though I told you what colors, give me those on a piece of paper. So when I, three years down the road, if I want to do touch up, I've got it. It costs you virtually nothing, maybe 10 minutes in time to run out to the, the paint store, get the swatches, staple them on, on a piece of paper and make a list that says this was done in the master bedroom. This was done in the family room. This was done in the kitchen. But by giving me that, I'm going to go ahead and think that you've done something absolutely phenomenal. And guess what? I'll remember you a year down the road, three years down the road, five years down the road, every time I want to go ahead and touch up the paint and it costs absolutely nothing. Yeah, I love those examples. It's often the small things. I remember once getting a new car and they'd put a bouquet of flowers on the driver's seat, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> I, was, I was almost more excited by the flowers than I was by the car. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just going to chip in on that as well because one of the books I read, um, I think it was Chris Foss talks about it in his book, Never Split the Difference, which is like a book around negotiation. And one of the things that he's talking about is, you know, obviously you're, you know, to some extent, largely what you're negotiating on is price and so on. But as you sort of get to that like last stage of negotiation, often what you can do is sort of throw in something that doesn't really cost you anything significantly, but is perceived to be of high value to the person you're negotiating with, like the flowers, like the the swatch, uh, the the color swatches. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a very interesting uh, point, Chuck. Um, well, I, I have I guess one sort of main final question for you, Chuck. There's a, a few kind of concepts we've touched on already around leadership, so uh, planning, uh, and then. Sorry, what was the second one? I had it on the tip of my tongue. Um, managing expectations. Man yeah, that was it. Managing expectations and building out a rigorous plan. What would you say if you had to, I guess, include sort of one sort of final pillar into that way to approach leadership in a strategic kind of way? What do you think would be that sort of third and, and final pillar to add in? Well, I think, you know, it, it, it's all going to come down to at some point in time is standards and accountability. I mean, you've, you've set a standard within, within your expectations and now you've got to hold people to that to that standard. You need to go ahead and perform to it. You need to go back and audit to it. I mean, what's the first thing that, that happens when you go ahead and have a changeover of personnel? You know, sometimes the, the new person coming in sees the old person, the old person says, well, this is how I do everything. And the new person takes notes. You've just lost something because the process wasn't documented. The, the what they do was not documented. So now whatever notes that that new person took, that's a new standard. That's a new documentation. And chances are they're not going to hand their notes to whoever replaces them. So you really need to spend the time in documenting your processes, documenting your standards, and then going ahead and auditing them. Are we following them up? Humans are great at finding shortcuts, finding ways to make improvements. I mean, we are. You can call it because we want to be lazy or we want more free time. Doesn't matter the approach, but we are psychologically wired to go ahead and find a better way to do things. So, but make sure that's still giving us the output that we expect and that we want. Because some shortcuts will go ahead and, and possibly short, short quality. 
whether that's in our product or in our service. So we need to go ahead and audit those. And where we do find that the shortcut does not hurt the outcome, then let's document that. So the next generation can go ahead and apply that. There are phenomenal ways that we can go ahead and, and improve operations year to year, month to month, quarter to quarter, whatever, by looking at, at those kinds of things. But if we don't start from a foundation of a documented process, there's no way we can go ahead and make changes because we don't know that Bob does it different than Sally. And yes, they get the same outcome, but Bob does it so much more efficient than Sally. So let's figure out you know, that if, if Bob's is really the, the best way to do it, let's get Sally doing it the same way. I agree with you, Chuck. It's so crucial to have those processes in place and be able to monitor them. But here's a tip for our listeners, and I'll be interested to see if you've used this, Chuck, but somebody was demonstrating to me just the other week how you can use chat GPT actually write your process for you. So you set out the parameters and then it writes it. So it could be easier. I have not used chat GPT yet, but I want to. I'm so excited. I've set some time aside for later on in the week to kind of explore that. But you're right. The articles that I'm hearing and the the, the stuff that is coming out of that is absolutely phenomenal. Well, you could do a little mini video to show people how to use chat GPT for, for getting their processes written really quickly. Great idea. I appreciate that. Well, let's uh, hand over to you now, Chuck. And thank you for very, very much for sharing your ideas with us. Lots of uh, good tips, practical tips. What would you like to leave our audience with? Well, first, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, tell everybody, go out and get my book, Hope is Not a Business Strategy. It's on Amazon.com. It can also be found on BarnesandNoble.com. Um, but I mean, ultimately, everything comes down to planning, leadership, and operations. You know, take the time to step away and plan your, your operations. Otherwise, your operations will take control of you. I mean, we see it so much in, in businesses. And again, we're not talking about just solopreneurs or entrepreneurs, small businesses. We can go ahead and see this in, in the corporate world also. Somebody gets in, becomes a, a department head and the department ends up controlling them. That's not what leadership's all about. That's not why your company put you in that position. Now, again, that doesn't mean you have to go ahead and crack the whip, um, but there are ways to go ahead and lead in, in a very easy process and, and get tips from my book, from podcasts like this, because there's a lot of information out there today. And I, Callum and I both have a sales background and we are big fans of having a sales process. And I saw a statistic just this weekend that said 90% of top performing companies have a sales process. And 48% of those that don't have a sales process are underperforming. So it just reiterates your point about the importance of having processes in your business. So Chuck, thank you very much indeed for being with us and for, for sharing your expertise and your background with us. And we look forward to getting a copy of your book and we should put the details to that in the show notes. But just to perhaps uh, for you to call out that the author 
details of your of your book because it's under a slightly different name, isn't it? Well, it is listed under C T Canabush Jr. Yeah. Um, rather than Chuck Canabush or Charles Canabush, it just started getting really, really long across the book, and books kind of are finite size. Yeah. So I use my initials. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. We'll put that in the show notes. And on that note, we shall say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Cheers, Chuck. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rjen.co.uk website.